Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Balvenny Stories series. I'm Gemma Patterson, Global Ambassador for the Balvenny. So the story series is not just a podcast, but a range of our whiskies that celebrate stories of our distillery and the people who make our drams. In this episode, we're going to talk about the tale of the dog. Now, normally for these broadcasts, we're on location at the distillery, but COVID has other plans for us. So you're joining me broadcasting from my home in Forest, Speyside, not too far from the distillery. We're joined by Jim, our sound expert, who's keeping everything sounding nice and crisp. And today we have the honour of chatting to one of Balvenie's longest serving makers, broadcasting from his home in Dufton, one of my favourite distillery heroes, the man himself, Dennis McBain. Dennis, hello. Hello, Gemma. Well, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do with us at Balvenie? I actually began in the maltings uh, in 1958, and then the, the brewer of the distillery, who runs the show, if you like, uh, approached me and asked me, would I like to go and help a coppersmith that the company had employed the year before? Mm-hmm. And he offered me one penny an hour more. You might laugh, but one penny an hour <laughs> back then was a reasonable rise. So the, so he dangled that carrot and I went for it. It was the best decision I've ever made in my life. So at the beginning, I was just assisting Wooly the coppersmith to do small copper work, about the distillery pipe work, line arms and things like that. But then he convinced Charles Gordon of the family that we could make our own stills if we employed another couple of coppersmiths and a, and a blacksmith. Yeah, it was hard work, but uh, there was a lot of good fun about it as well. Yeah, that's some some of that fun, I suppose, that you, ha- you had has really inspired this story, Dennis, and you are known for being such a fun-loving character and you have a, a great nickname at the facility, that's Dennis the Menace. <laughs> Yeah, that well, right? I'm not sure if I agree with that, but it's so, probably right. <laughs> well, we're here to celebrate Tale of the Dog and the release of this whiskey, which has been inspired by you and your story. But can you tell us what you would answer if someone asked you at the distillery what a dog is? Yeah, well, a dog is a device that certain people would use to steal whiskey should they get access to our warehouses. What it was was just a small copper, piece of copper pipe, about one inch or 25 millimetres in diameter. They could be various lengths, but not too big, with a, a piece of string attached to the top of it, which you would remove the bung, drop it in, fill it, put in the cork into the top of it, hide it down their leg and tie the string to their belt to prevent it falling all the way down. But it, it wasn't a widespread practice that. Very rarely did you hear of anyone uh, getting caught uh, stealing whiskey with a dog because if it was one of the, your, your workers, it, it meant automatic dismissal. Mm-hmm. You just lost your job. Well, on that note, could you tell us the story of the very first dog you ever met at the facility? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Just right at the beginning of my apprenticeship, I happened to be in the workshop on my own 
And the, the brewer came in and he said, Here, loon, go and get a hammer. A loon is a term for a, a young Scots lad, slung loon. Go and get a hammer and follow me. So I got the hammer, followed him over, and he was standing at the blacksmith's anvil. And he said, I want you to put that in the anvil and hammer it flat. I thought it was rather strange, but he was a boss, so I duly did that. And away, we, and away he went. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of company is this I'm working for, you know? Smashing up copper pipes. <laughs> Never mind. Eventually, Willie came back, and I said to him, I explained to him what I just had done. And he says, oh, yes, he says, I met the brewer on the way back to the workshop. And I said, well, what was it all about? He says, well, he says, the brewer noticed that one of the workers was unusually unsteady on his feet, and he reckoned that something was going on in the warehouse because a fellow worked in the warehouse. And he had went to the warehouse men's hut and went through the jacket pockets and found this dog. And he reckoned that if he accosted the person who owned the jacket, he would just deny it and say, somebody put it in there. So rather than that, and have the fellow losing his job, he got me to hammer it flat, and he went and put it back in the fellow's pocket. That was a warning to everyone that they were, be, they were being watched. And, and you said be, that you being would a be close dismissed? Being a close-knit distillery, that story went all round within a few hours. So the warning was clear to everyone. Don't do it or you'll lose your job. Yeah. Brilliant. Very smart. <laughs> yeah, he was a clever lad. Clever man. And so years later, Dennis, you actually made a dog. You made your very first dog for the distillery officially to be used by visitors all around the world who come. This particular day, the leader of the warehouse team came to me and said that they'd been at a meeting with two members of the family who had discussed the idea of letting the public into a warehouse and allowing them to fill a 20-cent-liter bottle of whiskey straight from the cask. And they wanted me to make a valinche to enable the, the people to, to fill the small bottle. What's a valinche? A valinche is a copper tube nearly a metre long with a valve at the bottom and you... You pump it up and down and it, fill, it, it fills, the, fills the container and then you can pour it in to something else. The, the, the warehouseman used that for taking samples out of the cars for David Stewart and, and any of the blending people. Still do to this day. I said to the, I said to the, the person, look, you can't expect the public to know how to operate that device. I said, why don't I come up with something more easy for the public? And they said, OK, on you go and uh, just just let the family know what you're going to be doing. So I thought, well, I wasn't very sure because a dog is an illegal device. But anyway, 
I sent an email to one of the members of the family and said, what about using a dog? Back came an email from him, what is a dog? So I said, oh, oh, I might be in trouble here. But anyway, I explained what it was. And he said, oh, that's a great idea. And away we went. But before that, I once saw an old retired plumber showed me a dog that he had once made, and it had an old penny in the bottom. And I said, oh, you know, you're not supposed to deface the crown's money. Oh, I said, you'll never know. So I said to myself, I had three of these dogs to make for where I was 24. I said, right, I'll put a penny in the bottom. And everyone thought it was a great idea. And I was allowed to do it because the old pennies are no longer legal tender. So So to this day, that's become your signature, hasn't it? Any dog that we have on site or any special dogs that you've made for anyone have a penny it's it's very tricky to, tricky to put a penny in the in the, in the bottom. I think that's how the other people they they are kind of mass producing them. And mm. I'm not criticising their work, but it, it's not a McBain dog. <laughs> nah, I suppose it's a nice segue into chatting a little bit about your expertise, Dennis, because um, you've worked with copper for an incredibly long time. I mean, that's coming on sixty three years now your experience in working with this beautiful metal that's so integral to the whiskey making process. So can you tell us a little bit about what coppersmithing means to you and what working with the copper means? Well, copper is a great metal to work with. If you if you heat it, you can virtually manipulate it into any shape you want, you know, and it doesn't contaminate anything. You get copper pans, copper kettles. You get we did all our own copper bucket stoves, cooling worms, every, everything appertaining to copper, and we did that for about twenty years. My my main feeling is that I've been here quite a long time, and if you make something and you you're in the storehouse. You're actually living with the work that you've made, you know. Mm. And incredible as it seems, they could make millions of litres of whiskey in the 20 to 25 years that they're in use. And it's a bit mind-boggling, you know. (laughs) Wow. When you put it like that, that's incredibly mind-boggling. When you think that first still that you made in in your year... Oh, but um, yeah, it's long gone, of course. But. It's long gone, but there's whiskey still in the cask, perhaps, that came from that still. There's probably whiskey that, that we've enjoyed, that, that people may have bottles on their shelves in their collections that have come from that still. Oh, that's quite that possible, yeah. yeah. Mm. So you have an apprentice, George Singer, who's in fact no longer an apprentice. You hired George, what, almost 20 years ago? Yeah. And, George worked side by side with you for a long time. George spent a lot of time with me for 17 years, I think, or something like that. But of course, we don't make stills nowadays. So we arranged for him to go and work with the, the company who make our stills called Forsyth, 
who are six miles away from the distillery, and George went and worked there for, oh, I think it was about six, nine months or something, and, and actually made a still. So he's made a still more recent than I have, you know. <laughs> and he's very keen, and he's very good. He's, he's really good. I'm quite happy to hand over the reins to him because I know he, he'll do a good job. For all of us, our mentors have been integral in how in what inspires us to go on to do our, our jobs and how we do them. Looking at the facility, it's you've got David and Kelsey working yeah. together in the blending team, then you have Ian and Jack and Jason and the, the Coopers and the team team down there. Then you've got Robbie who's brought on the malting teams and um that every single part of the whiskey making process everyone has a mentor yeah, yeah. that they look to and that's those not just the skills that have been passed on from one generation to the next but a mindset a way of working a passion and a love for what what we all do as well passed down from one generation to the next yeah which is something really special about Balvenie I'd say yeah I, I, I would say so yeah and now Dennis you've spent well 63 years connected with the site and working with Balvenie you're not coppersmithing and building the stills and doing the work that you used to do once upon a time, but you still play an important role at Balvenny. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do now, what a normal day at the distillery looks like for well, you? Well, obviously at my age, I'm just, I'm just part-time now. I don't, I don't spend say, too, <laughs> too much there, but it's, it's mainly, as well as being available for maintenance guys to ask advice or or ask about a problem that I might be able to help them with, which I'm delighted to do. A lot of it now is is to do with marketing, I would say, you know. For me, something that I think is so special about what you do is is now you've got many friends all around the world. You need no introduction. They know you well and you always make the time to come and meet with people coming to the distillery and anyone who's passionate about whiskey, whiskey making, Balvenie and our whiskies, you you make the time to sit down and share a dram with them, share your stories with them and bring them into the fold and make them part of the family in our whiskey community. And, and I, I really enjoy it. I I enjoy meeting people. Sometimes they'll, they'll know someone that I know on, on the other side of the world and you're, you're you know. You've also travelled the world with whiskey yes, and with your I've work. Been very You've lucky. spent time... Yeah, the companies. I've been in America quite a few times with the company, China, Europe. Yeah. Very, very lucky. Very lucky man. You're one of the original ambassadors because you did this job along with your expertise and your coppersmithing well before I did and before we ever had any dedicated ambassadors for Balvenie. Yeah. Balvenie's came a long way. Well, this, the whiskey speaks for itself. I mean, I always maintain you can finish Balvenie whiskey in nearly any kind of cask. It's just such a nice whiskey. And the tail of the dog is really, really quite a special one. And I hope that once we're on the other side of this pandemic, you and I can sit down and share a dram of the tail of the dog together and share some stories in person. Oh, that would be great. I look forward to that. <laughs> Can't wait. Well, Dennis, 
thank you so much for chatting to us today. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing you soon um, and sitting and having that dram. <laughs> and for everyone listening at home, you know, you can definitely follow Dennis's journey. Dennis is very active on social media and has a lot of friends, a big following on Facebook and you have Thank an Instagram as well. Thank God for Facebook and this so, shutdown, you know. That's it, yeah. yeah. Well, um, we'll be back with our distillery team to talk about their stories and to hear a little bit about walking the dog today and those series of dogs that Dennis created for the warehouse and for visitors to come and use. So we'll be hearing all about your signature Penny Dennis with the distillery team. Good stuff. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, speak soon. Bye. Bye. What a treat to hear Dennis's tales and learn about his inspiring career so far. His passion for all things copper and Balvenie inspires all of us at the distillery. If you'd like to hear more about the Balvenie and discover the range, then visit thebalvenie.com. You can find the link in our bio. Next up, we're going to meet with two very good friends of mine, our distillery ambassadors. Hi James, hi Charlie, how are you both? Very well, thank you. Um, yeah, keeping keeping well. Yep, good, thank you. So I think we could start by telling me a little bit about where you are, who you are, and what your job is with Balveni. Um, Charlie, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Charlie Metcalf. I'm currently located in Edinburgh and have been working throughout the the pandemic from home in Edinburgh, hosting lots of uh, virtual tastings and virtual tours of of the distillery, which have been uh, been very popular uh, and have been enjoyed by lots of people in the, the whiskey community. I have been working for Bolveni now for the last about four and a half years, um, mostly based at the distillery itself, taking, taking groups uh, around the distillery from all corners of the globe, which has been uh, a very interesting experience indeed. And James, you have a similar role, except you're actually at the distillery right now. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I'm James Roberts. I'm a distiller ambassador um, and I'm the lucky one in that I got to stay on site for most of the time that we've been been shut down. So when we do a, a virtual visit to Balvenie, Charlie hosts it from, from Edinburgh um, and I'm the Johnny on the spot with the, the camera and the and the mic and I walk around the distillery. So, so I'm quite quite fortunate. Well, we're here today to talk about the tale of the dog. And so we've already had a chat with Dennis who, who told us the story. He shared the story of the very first dipping dog that he made for Balveni. And actually, in fact, there's a couple of them and you both use them regularly when we normally host visitors at the facility. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience in Warehouse 24 with the dipping dogs and with visitors from across the world? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'll take that one first if you want, James. I mean, we we do like to to show people a kind of a real traditional uh, Dunwich-style warehouse when they come to visit us, us at uh, the distillery. So set up in there, there's, there's a series of casks and uh, David Stewart has, has selected three of them for, for visitors to be able to pull whiskey from to take home uh, single cask, cask strength, direct from the cask. And and these dogs are what Dennis 
created for us to to actually allow that to happen. And obviously, very few people uh, know what a dog is. So when we we hand them this this device, they sort of they stare at it and they're like, you know, Charlie James, what the what the hell is this thing you've just handed me? And people find them utterly utterly fascinating. And of course, when we we tell them the story of of the dog, you know that allegedly these these devices were used to to pilfer whiskey from the casks uh, in the warehouses by the the distillery workers. It all it all comes together very nicely for their their experience in there in the warehouse. Yeah, I I think that um, that whole experience of entering into the into the warehouse at the what is at the end of their tour, but before they will formally sit down and have some drams is it just really just sets the sets the tour off wonderfully um starting with the maltings and that almost unique experience and they've been seeing the distillery they've been to the cooperage and then they've come back up to the warehouse it's at the heart of of the site it's a you know a much older building than the, the distillery itself it's almost 300 years old mm. so it's that dunnage warehouse experience but then dunnage warehouse plus you know it's even older than your average um, so traditional uh, uh, warehouse, and and then you take them up the stairs, and it's still you know it's like Christmas, and you've got through five presents, and there's still six and seven to come. Um, there's this row of casks, and people start thinking, "Hang on a minute, there's there's something happening here, isn't there?" If they're, they're on their first visit, and then like Charlie's saying, you you pull out the copper dog, and it's an odd looking piece of equipment, and then you sort of chat to them a little bit about its uh, its history and its place within uh, sort of distillation back in the day. Um, and then they, they get to use it and put the whiskey from a cask into, the, into their own bottle. And it does, I think it absolutely rubber stamps the experience that they've, they've just had. So I assume at this point when you're in Warehouse 24, you're drawing whiskey from the cask with your visitors, with your guests, you talk about Dennis and share stories about Dennis. I would love to hear a few of your favourite Dennis stories. Who's going first? <laughs> well, I think Charlie's got the has got the has got the dibs on the good, the really good, excellent Dennis story. So maybe I'll I'll warm up for him. Um, one of the things I think that's amazing about Dennis is because of his his great age, and he doesn't look it, but his his great age and his longevity with, with Balvenie is he gives us a link, I think, to a previous era. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole walking the dog story tells you that when Dennis joined Balvenie, it was a uh, a different culture to, to the one that we we will now work under and it's it's great that, that that we can chat to Dennis and other others of the guys like him and get and get those stories I could tell the uh, tell the Dennis uh, Spanner story that we we only find out I mean reasonably recently actually I'd say what probably probably what three years ago now Gemma we he told us this story um this was a story Dennis shared with us when we were all a, together at the distillery um, was it during the ambassador workshop, January 2019? This was the last time we were all together as a team. Dennis yes. shared this story with us. Yeah, I remember we were just sitting sitting down having some having some supper around the table, and Dennis, uh, we were all sort of just just quizzing Dennis and chatting chatting away with him, and it, and this story just popped into his head, and he thought he he thought he'd share it with us, and it was um, it was a story from the. The very early part of Dennis's career, when he was he was still working as an apprentice, and literally in the first few weeks of his career with William Grant and Sons, um, all the way back in 1958, and 
he was given the job of tightening up a few uh, a few bolts on top of the spirit receiver, uh, and of course Dennis was keen to keen to uh, do the job properly and keen to do it in prompt time. So up to the top of the spirit receiver he went, and he was working away with his his brand new set of tools that he was very very proud of. This shiny, beautiful set of tools and. He was working away on top of the spirit receiver that you must remember at that time it would have been a, an open top spirit receiver, so a large wooden vessel that had no no top on it at all. And Dennis working above it, cranking away on a on a pipe, uh, tightening the bolts and slip of the hand, disaster. He drops the spanner down into the spirit receiver, uh, and obviously it disappears down to the bottom. So Dennis is standing there thinking. I'm in trouble here. This is, you know, my career is over before it's even begun. So he he goes to confess his sins to his boss at the time, which was a a rather formidable gentleman called uh, Willie McLaughlin, and uh, he goes to see Willie and and explains I've I've made a bit of a mistake. I've dropped my my fancy new spanner down into the uh, into the spirit receiver. So of course Willie does not take this too well and uh, completely storms out of the room in a in a fit of anger and Dennis thinks yep I've done it this is it I'm I'm for the chop so he goes to, back to the spirit receiver to tidy up his tools and and make for home uh, and little does he know uh, he turns around Willie has stormed into the room in nothing but his underwear climbs up on top of the spirit receiver and allegedly he holds his nose, dives straight down in, goes, swims to the bottom, picks up the spanner, hops out, hands it to Dennis, and says, Loon, Dunny, do that again. And <laughs> off, off he walks straight out of the room. And I just thought that was one of the most unbelievable <laughs> stories that I'd ever heard. But it, allegedly it did happen. Uh, but yes... You never know with these things uh, that come up and the stories from whiskey history. <laughs> That's just it. I love, um, I love that story and I love the way that Dennis tells it and the way he told it to us. And, you know, Dennis, when he speaks, he's got such a twinkle in his eye and he's, yeah, an incredible storyteller. And I, I love when he shares kind of memories of, a bygone era. It's like, like James said, having Dennis and having Dennis share stories with us is like a little window into the past, um, into a different world of what whiskey making was like back then. You know, we can't forget it was 1958 when Dennis joined us. Things were really quite different in Dufton at that time. Well, you know, it's a wonderful thing that we have this story to tell this year. Um, really looking forward to the release of The Tale of the Dog. And it's going to be a very special whiskey bottled to commemorate and celebrate Dennis and his story. So we're very much looking forward to sharing that. Um, I know it's two single casks that are being bottled. Um, very few people in the world, unfortunately, will get to try this whiskey, but lots of people will get to listen to the stories that we have to share about Dennis and, and Dennis telling his stories himself as well. So very much looking forward to this release and looking forward to many years ahead of sharing stories with one another and with people around the world. Absolutely. And we, we look forward to, to telling them to all the guests that come and see us at the distillery. And 
giving them their first go at using a copper dog. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for everyone listening at home, I'm sure there's going to be a few people who have been to the distillery. Perhaps there's going to be people who are listening who you've both hosted at the distillery. But if you haven't come to Belfenny and visited us, then, you know, please, our door is always open to you and we look forward to welcoming you to Dufton, either whether it's a, whether it's a return visit or a visit for the first time um, as soon as we open our doors again. So you're all invited to go and dip the dog with Charlie and with James in Warehouse 24 and take your own little piece of Balvenny home with you. Well, James, Charlie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us um, and sharing your stories about Dennis. Total legend. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for giving us the chance. No problem. It's been... Been our pleasure. <laughs> See you above any soon, hopefully. I'll be in the warehouse walking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cheers. Thank you. Wonderful to hear from two of our most knowledgeable experts on Bovenny. You can head to the website to book a tour with them if you're able to come visit us. Now we're going to hear from Dennis's apprentice, George Singer. So George, thanks for joining us today. I was wondering if you could tell us, for everyone listening at home, who you are and what you do with Balvenie. Yeah, uh, my name is George Singer. I work here at Balvenie Distillery. I have done for 20 years now, uh, starting in 2001. And I've got quite a, quite a varied role in my day-to-day job. I'm responsible for the for the maintenance on site, uh, we, we measure thicknesses of stills, we carry out repairs in stills, we fit pumps, we fix conveyors, we fit elevators, there's, there's loads of things in my day-to-day job. And Tell me, actually it's quite unusual to have a qualified coppersmith on site. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean Dennis was here for, I don't know, about 100 years or something before he, <laughs> before he gave up and finally retired, but... Uh, when I when I started here back in two thousand and one, it was actually Dennis and my old team leader that interviewed me for the job. So once once I started, I was I was working alongside Dennis twenty years ago, but then fast forward a long time and uh, Dennis finally retired, like I mentioned, and I was approached by the by the company to kind of formalise the copper side, taking over from Dennis. So. Uh, uh, it kind of helped because I think Dennis had suggested me as well, so it was kind of, it was good. But uh, to formalise on that, I had to go to Forsyth's for six months to physically make stills mm-hmm. uh, like they were doing and just like from start to finish working on various aspects of it. And what about the significance of having your expertise and your expertise with copper on site? It's good for the company that they're not, because even as being part of the maintenance team, we don't we don't want outside contractors coming in to do our work. You know, we want to do we want to do everything we can in house. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about working with Dennis? You know, you said that Dennis interviewed you back in two thousand and one. Um, what was Dennis like? Dennis, as you can imagine, that generation. Uh, he's he's mellowed with age, but he he does. He calls a spade a spade, and if if you didn't do it right, you he made you know about it. Mm. Uh, but to me, that that's the way it needs to be. That's mm-hmm. the way it needs to be. You try harder next time. Mm-hmm. 
And he was good. He, he always he always took the time to explain, and maybe sometimes I'd get frustrated. He wouldn't let me do it. I'd hate to watch more often. Uh, but no, that's that soon came all right. And then once he started trusting me to do things, maybe I would have to go and get them, and he would have a an easier day. <laughs> well, we're here to chat really to celebrate the story of the Copper Dog and tales of dipping dogs from a bygone era. And I know, George, you you, you joined way after the first uh, elite, well, the, or the last illicit copper dipping dog would have been dipped into the cask. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting story, and, it, and it's it's kind of the, the dipping dog. It, it's evolved since it was outlawed, if you like. Mm-hmm. Not that not that it was ever legal, but it was it was outlawed. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like um, all best stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And the dog now, probably the most requested to make from various places is, you know, mm. it's become more of a, more of a gift now. You know, a presentation thing, and there's different ways of doing it. There's, you know, back in the day, it was just made a bit of tube and a bit of brass soldered welded in the bottom, an old uh, bullet casing, just anything you could use that that fitted in a bunghole. Whereas now, and I think Dennis and probably Willie that showed Dennis actually uh, soldering a penny in the bottom because not many people do that because it's quite tricky to do to put a penny in it because it's it's decorative and you want to make it a gift. You want to get everything central and what Dennis started doing was getting a penny for the age somebody was maybe born or mark an occasion or an event in their life and it was a really good extra you know you're getting a dog but hey have a look in the bottom it's it actually means something mm-hmm. uh, so that was good and that's how Dennis showed me how to do it uh, but it is tricky and so the the dipping dog in, in my experience has evolved and it's it's became more of a something I make for gifts yeah than something you make for people to go and do whatever they want to do with it you know mm-hmm. but there are there are some great stories it's definitely like a, a- treasured thing and a story that people love to hear and I think you know certainly from my experience traveling and sharing drams with people whenever we get kind of get onto the topic conversation of of, of, what's a dog and what were dogs dogs used for it's this kind of stories that people people like to hear and I got Dennis made me one for my 40th my wife got in touch with Dennis so he made me one so it's yes it's like you say it's there forever you know did he Put a penny of your year of birth in there, George. He, he couldn't get a penny because I'm so young. He couldn't get a penny <laughs> that age. So it was a, it was actually an old ten pence piece right. uh, that was roughly the same, the same size. Uh, 1977. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. What a nice thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, George, you know, thank you so much for for joining us today and taking the time out from your kind of superman job on site fixing everything um to come and have a chat about copper and about dennis and talk to us about tales of the dog always a pleasure Gemma. thank you yeah you take care and hope you can have a nice dram when you get home at the end of the day today yeah or maybe we'll maybe try something i'll see you when you're next on site looking forward to that thanks george <laughs> okay cheers <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this tale for now. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more stories from the distillery, then we have a whole series of episodes to explore if you head to the bio or 
to www.thebovenny.com. I hope you can share a wee dram of one of the story's whiskies while you listen along. Until next time, slancha. <laughs>